Greetings all, I'm Pat Williams. Episode 2 of Ford Taylor Talks. Welcome back. My brother Ford Taylor. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, PW. How you be this morning? Well, how about the feedback from our first episode? Uh, really, really good. Well, you know, it's always fun to to get positive feedback. You know, we're also open to, to critical feedback because we want to continue to improve. Uh, but it's fun to get the kind of feedback. Thank you for doing this. Uh, even though we didn't get into a lot of detail, you know, just the just the drive to want to come back and hear more. So that was that was really nice to hear. So if we were going to put a title in episode two, Ford Taylor Talks, let's talk about leadership. Ford, um, I get asked all, all the time, and I know you get asked everywhere you go, um, besides what makes a good leader, like where are all the great leaders? Like where are they? Where do you find them? Yeah. Well, a lot of them are the what I call the best kept secret on the planet. You know, they're kind of quietly doing it inside their organizations and and you'll hear about them from their employees. You'll hear about them from their spouses and their children. Uh, and then you also have people that they might be great leaders in their company, but are in their government office or at their school, but they're disaster at home. And so, uh, so many people have trouble with leadership because they've not learned to balance and be that same person no matter where they are. And there's this split between who I am at work, who I am at home, who I am at the cookout in the neighborhood, who I am at church. And, and I believe the underlying issue there is that, as we talked about last time, so many people, the vast majority of the world, are smart, gifted, or talented in at least one area. And the vast majority of the world, I, I use the term, have huge hearts. And all that means is they care about the people around them. So I ask the question, what's missing? Well, what if we've never really been given the actual tools, the actual ingredients to call what I call make a leader? You know, if we were going to make a cake and we went into the kitchen to make a cake. I love cake. Me too. You know, <laughs> if, if people read my book, you know, it says in there that I get accused when I travel around the world of having an extreme sweet tooth. And I tell them in the book, that's not true. I have 32 of them. Now, the truth is I now have 30 of them, so I have to be careful. I may have to rewrite a second edition of the book because since I've written it, I've lost two of them, too many sweets. But what if we went into the kitchen and we were going to make a cake, but there was nothing on the counter? There were no ingredients. There were no tools. But, but if we had those ingredients, the flour, the baking powder, the, the salt, the water, the milk, the, the, the dilemma is that a lot of those ingredients taste terrible on their own but a lot of them taste good on their own. But what if we had all the ingredients, but we had no tools, no mixing bowl, uh, no mixer, no measuring cups? Uh, we still wouldn't be able to make the cake. But when we, when we have the ingredients and the tools, something happens when we take those ingredients that don't taste good and we mix them with things that do taste good and we mix them up and, and we put them in a, in a baking pan and we put it in an oven, you know, something special happens. And that's the way leadership is. What if we've never actually been given the tools, the actual ingredients? And, and again, I don't know about you, but in my kitchen, when something like that is baking, there's this aroma that takes place in the kitchen that you take that, that deep breath and something in the kitchen shifts. What if that happened with leadership? What, that, what if that happened with the people? If we had that kind of smell, if people say, ooh, I want to be around that. Well, here's the dilemma. So even if we had the ingredients and the tools, 
what if we never had made that cake before? We wouldn't be able to make a cake that tastes very good unless we had a recipe. And so those three things have to come together. We have to have the ingredients, the tools, and a recipe manual is what we call it. And when those three come together, I think what we find is those people that you're looking for that have the big brains and the big hearts, people kind of turn their head because they're so easy to see when you spot them. Ford, what's your definition of a leader? I mean, let's just break it down to the to the obvious. But I think it's important for our listeners to understand really where we're coming from when we define leadership. Well, uh, I believe the greatest leaders are those that are willing to lay their life down for those with whom they lead or, as we use the word, have influence. And when they learn to do that, when we learn as leaders that you're more important, you know, your needs are more important than mine, it's amazing what happens to our influence and people's uh, ability, desire to work with us and to work alongside each other. And when we put that through the spinal column, is what we call it of pretty much everything we do, of what I call the purpose of leadership, and we call that V-Steel, and that's cast vision, serve, teach, train, equip, empower, let go, and evaluate. And so, and we, and we combine that with the ingredients, and I call that the values that we have to live. And so when you combine those ingredients with the tools that we're going to be talking about, with that definition, you can smell that leader. You know, you can feel that leader when they're around you. They want to be around. I mean, waitresses and waiters come up to the table and say, what is that presence around you? I mean, they'll come ask you those questions. What is that? And, and, and I know that sounds crazy to most people, but, but those, those leaders, you, you recognize them, and people want to follow that kind of leader. And Ford, what about the, the hourly worker who has a couple small children at home and he's newly married? Uh, he may not think of himself as a leader, but based on our definition of leadership, if he has influence over one or more people, uh, he is a leader. Yeah, so think about his leadership in just the categories you just said. And we know that this young person has way more to do than just that. But think about it work. He's leading up to his boss, influence. He's leading with his peers, influence. He might, if he has the right job, he might even start his job with employees. Things have changed since I went to work. I mean, those things happen. So he's leading right there all day, every day, even if he doesn't have any employees. What if he's on the phone with customers? What if he's on the phone with vendors? Look at all the leadership that this person has. Then we go home. Think about the influence we have with our spouse. And boy, if any of you have children, you know the influence you have with your children. And most of us look back and go, I wish I'd have known that years ago how much impact my behavior had on our children. So this guy that you just talked about, he's a leader on steroids. He just may not have been told that he's a leader or given the understanding, the tools, ingredients, or behaviors on how to lead from those two or three or four different roles we just talked about. Or do you keep talking about tools and for people maybe new to you as a person or new to the transformational leadership uh, ideals, the tools are, are, are everything. Um, but the ingredients, like you can't really talk about the tools without the ingredients. And if you had to talk about maybe one ingredient uh, that separates the type of leader that I know I'm striving to be, and I know that you are, and you're still striving, what would it be? 
Well, you know, to me, there's there's three that just they they're so intertwined. I'm not sure how to separate them. Okay. Fair. And, and so I'm I'm just going to give the three, if you will, that that if these kind of go in the foundation of our leadership cake, and it and it sounds crazy, I think, when people hear it the first time, but when they when they see how the tools and the rest of the ingredients fit with these three, they go, oh. I remember when I heard that the first time, I thought Ford had eight heads. But man, it makes sense now. And for me, when you combine unconditional love and unconditional forgiveness, and you walk in humility, and I call that dangerously transparent, you know, vulnerability, but love, forgiveness, and humility, that when those three ingredients go into the pot, you know, as a husband, as a wife, as a parent, as a boss, as a next-door neighbor, your influence just immediately goes through the roof, even if you aren't quite sure yet how to walk that out. And like you you and I talk about, I'm always trying to get more unconditionally loving and forgiving and and more humility. We're all going to be working on that the rest of our lives. So those ingredients, amazing, um, the tools. And I've described the TL tools, the transformational leadership tools, as like uh, I tell a guy, go build a house. And he's got a tool belt. And there's nothing in it. And he wants to go build the house, but he just don't have the tools uh, in his belt. And you talk about um, practical and implementable. Mm-hmm. So talk about one tool, and we know that they're going to be practical and implementable. Right. Well, you know, I get asked a lot, what is the most important tool in the playbook? What's the most important tool in the tool belt? And, and, I, and I don't know that I can say this is the best, this is the most important, because different people are at different places in their lives. But I can tell you when I go into an organization or do one-on-one executive coaching, and remember organizations anytime two or more people, this is the one I start with. And, and it's called VP Mosa. And I ask the, the people that I'm working with to answer three questions. And one of those is is the vision question. What is it that I want to accomplish with my life? In a business, it's what do we want to accomplish in the business? Uh, the second one is the purpose. Why? Why do I want to do that? That's the P. Uh, same in a business. Why do we want to do that? And the third one I call the M, which is the mission. And to me, that's just a question. What am I willing to do that others may not be willing to do to accomplish that vision for that purpose. Now, if, if you bring a lot of people in and, and you ask the VPM, it can be confusing because they can semantically uh, intersect with one another. And so I tell people, don't confuse with semantics. Just think about answering the three questions. What do I want to accomplish? Why do I want to accomplish it? And what am I willing to do that sets me apart? Now, once people write that, we take them through the OSA, which is the Objective Strategies and Action Plan. Now, that may sound a lot like the same ones that other people have used, but PW, the thing we do before we start the V is what sets it apart. And so we go back, even before we start the V, and we say to people, if you could write your own tombstone, you know, and people say, well, how big is it? Well, it depends on the altar you want to build it yourself. So I say, how about making it a line or two? If people looked at a line or two on your tombstone, and they said that was you, what would you want it to read that they would say? So we actually have them write their own tombstone. Now, in a business, we call it a plaque on the wall. Okay, if we were going to put a plaque on the wall, 
that had a couple of sentences that 50 years from now, this team's gone. What would you want the people 50 years from now to say about this team? What would you want the employees to have said? The, the families of the employees, the vendors, the bankers, just a couple of lines. Then we come back and we say for an individual, what do you think about writing your eulogy? How about writing your own obituary? You know, what do you want your spouse to say about you at your funeral? What do you want your children to say? What do you want your coworkers, your employees, your bosses, your next door neighbors, the people maybe you go to church with, the, the people that maybe you play sports with? And we say, write it out. Put it down on paper. Now, in a company, same thing. You just wouldn't call it an obituary or eulogy, but you answer the same questions. Years from now, what would you want all the people to say about you and your leadership in this organization now? And it's amazing the foundation that builds. And then we ask them, write a list of, it's your choice, five to ten values, that if you lived those five or ten values as an individual or in an organization, if this organization were known for those five to ten values, is that what people would say about you? And so we start with that foundation. Then we come back and ask the three questions. Now, knowing that, where are you going? And what do you want to accomplish? Vision, why, purpose, and what are you willing to do as an individual? Or what are you willing to do as an organization that your competitors may not be willing to do to accomplish that? And from there, whether it's an individual or an organization, we now go into the objectives, the strategies, and the action plans. And we tell people, write a number of objectives for you as an individual or for your company. Now, a lot of people call those goals. We don't call them goals because you know us as men, lots of times when we set a goal, they can build the Great Wall of China right in front of us and we'll just keep beating our head up against the wall to get to that goal. And so, because sometimes we write them down, they might need some tweaks. I mean, think about, you know, my goal this year, my objective is I had certain cities I was going to travel to, uh, certain leaders we were going to work with. All those objectives were written down for this year. All of a sudden, you can't even get on a plane. Well, I can keep beating my head up against the wall, or I can tweak those objectives and do something else. So we say right first time, you know, three, four, five, or six down. Now, within the objectives, we recommend breaking that down in four quadrants. One is your, your family, your personal life. So what are your objectives around being your family, your brother, sister, uh, mom, dad, or if you're married, spouse, children, if you have them? Uh, another quadrant would be your health. And we recommend breaking your health down between physical, mental, emotional, and then if you have a faith, uh, a spiritual health. So what are some of the things you would do uh, over the next 12 to 18 months uh, around those objectives with your family, around those objectives with your health? The third quadrant is the community, and that is your nonprofit life. You know, where are you going to give your time away? What are you going to volunteer doing? And, and then the fourth one is your income generation. And these are in no particular order. I'm just saying there's four of them. And th these are objectives around your work life. You know, what are you going to try to do to improve your work life? And then once you have those objectives on paper, you look at them and say, do those move me towards the VPM? Do they accelerate me toward the vision, purpose, and mission? If they do, get after it. Well, how do you get after it? You have some strategies and action steps. I'm going to read this book. I'm going to, and again, we'll talk about other tools. I'm going to go apologize for something, you know, the six-step apology. 
I'm going to go use that with my spouse. And so you start implementing all these other tools within those strategies and objectives with action plans and deadline dates on how you're going to pull this off. And then I say review that on an annual basis because you're going to fulfill some of those objectives. Some of them are lifetime, but some of them are going to get accomplished. So what am I going to do next that continues to accelerate me towards that VPM so people would say that to me about my funeral and they would read that tombstone and say, that's, that's Ford. And he clearly walked out those values that he wrote on paper. Ford, I remember the first experience I had uh, going to a transformational leadership event. You were speaking, leading, teaching, equipping us. And you started talking about VP Mosa. And I thought, that's got to be the craziest thing I've ever heard. And I got to tell you, number one, it's not easy to sit around and, and think about what you would put on your tombstone. And even harder was sitting down and thinking about writing your own eulogy. It was very challenging. It, I didn't do it at the first sitting, but I can tell you, while you talk about that as an important tool, if you don't do that, it's kind of a, a non-starter if you don't get through the VP most. Yeah. And you're right, PW. I remember the first time I did it, um, you know, I, I, I was just coming out of a, of a dark spot in my life. And I remember writing down what I wanted Sandra to say about me and writing down what I wanted my daughters to say and writing down what I wanted my sons to say. I have three daughters and no sons, but, and, and two of them weren't even teenagers yet. And, and I wrote down what my sons would say, that my sons were married to this daughter, and this is what they said about me. I didn't say son-in-laws. And as I was writing, uh, I ended up in a fetal position on the floor because of the pain and the, and the hurt, the tears, and because I knew that if I died that day, that about 90% of what I wrote down that I wanted people to say, that's not what they would say. And so I, even, I share that with people even now, that if, if you shed some tears through this, let the tears flow. You're probably not near as jacked up as I was when I did it, okay? But it's okay for the tears to flow. And then let the tears flow and then keep writing. Because we're not talking about write down what people would say now. We're talking about writing down what you would want them to say to give us a trajectory to go towards that. And PW, you're right. I, I have a, and maybe we'll bring some of these people on, but I have a number of people who have called me on the phone and said, why did I go to the class four times before I did the action plan? Why did I go six times? Why didn't I just listen to you at the end of the class and do the action plan? And as you know, in the action plan, this is kind of the key component to it. And, and so I've, I've heard that a lot. I, you know, so many people said, I didn't believe it could be that simple, but you're right. Uh, and don't try to do it all at one sitting, you know, go out, take some time away, Focus on the tombstone, the eulogy slash obituary, and the values. Just focus on those. Get those written down. Then come back and focus on the VPM. Then come back and focus on the OSA, the vision, purpose, mission, objective, strategies, action plans. Break it in components. Give yourself some space. Remember, transformation is a process. It's not an event. The VP Mosa is a process. It's not an event. Board, I got to tell you, uh, I've been to many live transformational leadership trainings. You and I have spent hours together talking about this stuff and walking it and it, you know, Ford, how can I do this better? And you probably get sick of it, but never, 
For the person who is just now joining uh, or hearing you for the first time, they're going to have questions. Um, and I know you've set up a email account. If someone has a specific question, and, and right now we're talking about VP Mosa, uh, an important tool in the transformational leadership tool belt. Um, where can they find out more information? If they have questions or they want to dig deeper, how can they find out more? Well, one way would be to email us at info at FordTaylorTalks.com uh, if you have a specific question. Uh, another way is, you know, we have this platform called TL On Demand that has this training in it. If people go through TL On Demand, they can do it as an individual, they can do it as a group. But if they go through it, at the end of the actual training itself is an action plan. And I, I personally, in that platform, walk them through in an interactive way the action plan. And one of the things I walk them through is the VP Mosa. And so I kind of go back and forth with them. It, we're not actually in the room, but it kind of feels like it. Yeah. On, you know, how to do it, give some instruction. When you finish that, come back. And so they actually can get some personal coaching if they want at the end of that TL on demand. So they can email us um, at that website, at that um, email address, or they could go do that. Again, that information's in the book. And if you're a big reader, you know, you might read it in the book. If, if you like interacting, you might do Teal on Demand. If you just want the information, send us an email. Ford, I'd love to close episode two with um, people that get exposed to transformational leadership, and especially you personally. Uh, they describe it as trying to drink water from a fire hose uh, or a gnat trying to drink water from a fire hose. But really, it is easy. And I'm going to let you take us out today with telling people just how easy it is. Well, it, it's so funny because everybody's heard the term, you know, how does a, a fly eat an elephant? Is that, is that it? One bite at a time. Yeah. And, and we do get told this is uh, like drinking from a fire hose. And it is when you come to a live event because we used to do it over six days, over six months, and now we're squeezing into two days. And so the TL on demand platform allows people to go through it at whatever pace they want. But it, as you know, PW, one of the things I teach is that that I, I say and truly believe is that everything we teach is really simple, but not easy. Therefore, we make it complicated, and we choose to live in what I call the river of complication. But once we cross the bridge of transformation, and what does that mean? That we change the way we think about stuff. We cross that bridge, and once we cross over that bridge, and we have to have the tools, ingredients, and behaviors to make that cross, but once we cross over it, what we find is that what's always been simple is now easy. Er. <laughs> it's easy. Er. Because life happens. You know, changes still take place. But it's so much easier to handle those things once we have walked out some of these things and we've had our own look at ourselves and made these changes. Thank you for episode two in the books. I've had a blast. Uh, we're looking at a clock, and I look down, and 30 minutes is up just like that. I'm excited about episode three, uh, a very important person in both of our lives, but really someone that was instrumental in in, in kicking off the transformational leadership uh, a journey that you're on and still on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to His name's Dan McNeil. I'm looking forward to having him on, the, on our next podcast. Uh, and as we launch today, everybody remember, love influence, and transform. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ford Taylor Talks. 
For more information and resources to help you love, influence, and transform, please visit FordTaylorTalks.com. Thank you.